Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. I am your host, Shay Sparks, Chief Excitement Officer of Sparks of Fire International, where we spark leaders in transition who are unclear, go from fear to fired up about their life and business. And if you wish to talk more in depth about coaching, heart and mind fitness, brainstorming for your business, podcasting, and or veteran resources, connect with me, Shay, today at the Calendly link in the show notes on your podcast platform. Wow. Are you guys in for a treat in this episode with Vince Puglisi? He is being vulnerable on stage and in his podcast and creating confidence by sharing his experience. He also shares how he guides his kids in their home life school and how time freedom comes before financial freedom. What is that about? And I have to mention how we talk about our examples of parents and how we let go of those expectations so that we can love freely. So stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Yo, what's up, everyone? This is Joe Bogdan from the Llama Leadership Team and co-host of the Llama Lounge Podcast. And I wanted to share with you this amazing opportunity to become a published author and become a fire starter. Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Well, it did to me. And joining the Firestarters Book Project was an amazingly easy and fun way to get my feet wet in the published author space. Shay and Christine made it so easy to navigate through the publishing realm and gave me the blessed opportunity to share my story with the world, and they would love to do the same for you. They are seeking aspiring authors like you to collaborate with them, and the best part is that they are going to do all of the hard work for you. All you have to do is commit to the process. You have nothing to lose and so much to gain. So join the team by visiting firestartersbookproject.com and tell them Joe sent you. It will change your life for the better, I promise. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. Today, my guest is the awesome and energetic Vince Pluglisi. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome to the show, Vince. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Vince is one of those people that we just met a month ago a little over a month ago at the podcast movement in Orlando. And it was just amazing conversation immediately as soon as we, as soon as we connected. So I just really appreciate you being here. Thanks. So I remember that standing in the hallway, just talking. It just immediately was, it was a connection. Yeah. And I, (laughs) and you said in the very beginning when you presented that the hallway is a place to network and that's, where I found you, so I'm glad you said that. That's absolutely true. And whenever I go to conferences, people kind of look at me like I'm crazy. Like I really don't go to the speakers. I really just go to talk and meet people. And every single time, that's where all the connections happen. That I do the same. So that's awesome. I'm glad we have people in the world. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, Vince is the owner and founder of Total Life Freedom, an exclusive, intimate mastermind of generous entrepreneurs and freelancers building a life of money time, and location freedom. Total Life Freedom also consists of a membership-only community, live retreats, one-day mastermind, and keynote speaking. He is the host of the Total Life Freedom podcast, a short-form daily solo show guiding entrepreneurs and freelancers towards a life of time, money, and location freedom. Vince's book, Freelance to Freedom was published in 2018, 
Him and his, his wife, Elizabeth, homeschool their three sons, often traveling for months at a time to explore, learn, and connect with each other and the world around them. So Vince, I know a little bit about your story. And so I always start off with the question of, so what does investing in people mean to you? It's a great question because I don't know if you hear that that often. That's why I love the title of your show. It's You hear about investing in retirement, investing in yourself or whatever, or college, but investing in people, to me, it's real relationships. It's real conversations. It's, it's almost exactly the way that we met. Yes. There's, there's no agenda. There's no trying to figure something out from what you can get. It's the more genuine personal relationships that you can build into your life. I just think the richer your life is. And you can use those relationships to then connect them to other people that you've made relationships with. And then you can really, that's how your network, and I love the word network, but I hate the word networking. And that's how your network grows out. And that's where all the benefits of our life within business and the relationship has come from that. So it's so important. I, I totally agree with you. And I think you're right. We don't have that conversation enough, which is why I was looking for it for a podcast and it wasn't out there. So I was like, you know what? Why not? It's a passion project for me. I love investing in people. I love talking about investing in people. I love talking about investing in yourself and how it overflows into other people. Without a doubt. So what has been an obstacle that you faced that made you understand investing in people was something that you wanted to do? I think like many other people may or may not admit it was very selfish. For a period of time, it was very self-involved in terms of what I can get, what's in it for me, and what I noticed is the people that I really wanted to be around, the people that I met that I was like, I really kind of, you feel you want to learn to be like. I don't know if you had that in your life. Like, mm. well, it would be nice to yes. be there. It wasn't generally about money or about business. It was about the way that they were with other people, mm. the way other people talked about them. And then they wound up knowing everybody, but they never really, they didn't seem like that kind of sleazy person that you were, didn't want to be around. So, so what for me, it was meeting people that were just these genuine connectors that were really looking out like, hey, you need to meet this person mm. or giving eye to eye conversations with you for 30 minutes or 45 minutes without looking over your shoulder to seeing who else they're, they can talk to. I realized that's kind of the person that I wanted to become as opposed to the person that I was because I was successful. I was getting the things that I wanted, but it was generally for me. Mm. And when I saw that, I said, I really want to, you always want to become something and grow. And that's really what I wanted to grow to. And that's the main, that was the main part for me. That's awesome awareness. How did you figure out that you were selfish? I think it's just time. I, when I, was, I was a photographer for 20 something years mm -hmm. before I got into coaching or any of this stuff that I wanted to do. And if and we have a whole different conversation about shooting the Super Bowl, shooting the World Series, or different presidents of the United States, or the, you know, spending a day with the Dalai Lama, all these cool things, but it was always about me. It mm. wasn't even about the art. It wasn't even about what it was doing for other people. It was like, I want to get there. I mm. want to do this. I'm checking off of my list. Mm. And when you get there, it was kind of a weird thing because it was really kind of cool because people want to know all about it. They still want to know all about it. They don't really do it anymore. They still want to know. But it's all these stories, and people are so interested because you're, like, you're on the sideline next to Tom Brady or you're in this type of thing. But once the story's done, it was kind of empty. It was, mm -hmm. yeah, I did it, and yeah, that's cool. And then it went on, and then people went on to deeper conversations, and I was like, this feels kind of just surface level. It feels like I got what I needed, and it's all the cool stuff that I could imagine 
and it was almost pretty empty. And that's when I had to kind of reflect. It wasn't a bad thing. I wasn't a bad person, but it was relatively just self-involved. Wow. And you touched on something. I don't know even know if you heard it or not, but you said about checking off the list. And I think a lot of times what we think of as goals is sometimes very selfish. We're doing them for ourselves. And it is sometimes literally just the accomplishment of being able to check off that list. And so I love that you really kind of redirected and noticed that, hey, what uh, I'm not being fulfilled here. What else could I do? Almost always it was self-involved. Almost every single time. Yeah. And so I see it even with the people. So I'm kind of a really good person to coach on this because it's not abnormal to me. I meet people yeah. that are really, they were just born generous or helpful and I don't know if they could even see it from the other side so I could almost see the scoundrels or the phonies quicker than anybody else can because I was one of them in a lot of ways I saw when there's an angle I gotcha. saw how to get around things to get your angle mm-hmm. and so I, I guess I'm a lot more cynical <laughs> or critical than maybe other people might be because I was that person so going into it, it's like I needed to change who I was to become the person I wanted to be and it sounds so hokey right because that's like a book like you become the but it really was true and not only just for me but for my kids like we have three boys and we're raising them we want to raise them to be great adults and I wasn't just thrilled with just the path that I was on and again it wasn't like illegal it wasn't immoral it was just very self-involved and when I talk to people about it and I ask them about their goals Uh and what they want to accomplish it generally relates to everything that they want and they struggle because they don't know why they're not getting there and then I basically say you know, lesson number one or two is you are selfish, and that's why. And then when you explain to them why they're selfish and how they're selfish and why nobody really likes to help selfish people, mm-hmm. they like to help generous people, and everybody can tell that you're after something. So why aren't people buying my book? Because you're pitching your book, and nobody cares yet. You haven't helped anybody. And then when you realize this, oh, how, then it's like, okay, so how do I help others do that? And you become much more selfless in terms of helping other people get their goals and it's the Zig Ziglar. You can help any, and you can get anything in life you want if you just help enough of enough other people get what they want. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you kind of, but at the same time, you've got to get rid of the whole get anything you want because that stuff will come if you just do this other stuff without thinking about it. And that was a big revelation for me. So, was there a particular defining moment? I mean, you talked about your kids. So, was it when your first child was born, or was it when you reached a certain "quote unquote" success level that you went, "You know what? I've got a shift here. Something's not quite right." I don't remember a particular moment. I don't remember. I don't. There was like I've had other groundbreaking things happen in my life, like when I was younger and I was arrested and I was in all this trouble. And then at that point, like at twenty-two years old. When all of my people I went to high school with, they were graduating from college, I was still dropping out of college multiple times, mm-hmm. right? And I had that moment where I woke up in the middle of the night and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Now, that was a moment that was like, I felt it. This was just a gradual, I think, realizing I want to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. So I need to study that. Yes. I always like having a challenge and I always like being uncomfortable, not where I'm at. Yes. So the worst part I am, like, I'm not even a big vacation fan because I get antsy because I want to do something. Or accomplish something. So the same thing here. It's like, okay, who do I become now? And where? how do I get there? And what do I have to do to become better at that? So that was kind of a big part for me. Good for you. Was there anybody in particular that you studied? Like for me, I took, when I had a defining moment, because I knew I wanted to shift gears. I'm a hairstylist 
for 26 years, but you know, 10 years ago, I was like, you know what? My shoulder's going to give out. I need to figure out what else I could do and what else that would sustain my happiness and joy and fulfillment to my life. And so I started to research millionaires and billionaires and what they did. And so was there particular people that you researched or looked up to? Yeah, there's a few. Obviously, I started reading his books and a lot of that and started reading that with our kids. So it's really kind of hypocritical to read that with your kids and teach them that, but also at the same time being really self-goal driven. And and I don't want to make this out to be a bad thing. Like, you shouldn't have goals for yourself. You should. Right. And you should be a cop. But I think the purpose of doing it's different. Yes. When you can elevate it and you can bring other people up with you. Yeah. As opposed to winning and somebody else losing. I grew up being turned a sports fan and mm. somebody wins and somebody loses. Right. But in this world, I don't think that has to be that case. I think it can be where a lot of people win, where the people around you win. So it was, it was Zig Ziglar and Seth Godin, who I reference often. Mm. I mean, just hearing him talk over and over again about the generosity is the answer. Yes. To everything. Yes. And that's a hard thing to accept when you don't understand it. Mm. And I think it's a hard thing to accept when you're struggling. Because when you're struggling, you could say, well, yeah, I understand. I get that, but I need to pay the bills. I need this. And the point why I try to get people to is getting out of the point where you're struggling, you're financially abundant, where you're time abundant. And then from there on, if you're still so self-involved, you've got issues because you become very egotistical that way a lot of times, as opposed to, I don't need this. I don't need a whole, and we say all the time, we don't need a whole lot. It allows us to do the work that we love to do without sacrificing and cutting the corners on it. So Ziggler and Seth Godin were probably the two people that really opened my eyes to this mindset. And they're wonderful role models in that area as well. Definitely. So tell me about a time that you were vulnerable with another person and actually gave you confidence. Vulnerable? I I think just, that's a great question because I'm trying to think if there was a specific time but I think one time I was speaking, I was giving a speech on stage, and I just really didn't hold back. Mm. I just kind of told some stories, and I, and some things I was kind of afraid to talk about, some of these things, just even my past, my past history. Like, I found out the day before graduation high school, I was graduating. That's how poor wow. I was arrested a year later for stealing, so I was a thief. Right. All Just very bad path. People I hung around with, most of the people I went to high school with were either dead or in jail. Mm. 10 years of graduation yeah. and just telling these stories that I thought I would be really embarrassed by and the more I told them the more it related to other people or they really just appreciated me opening up so the more I could tell so now even with my podcast I tell some incredibly embarrassing stories and the more there are the more it's like wow like it's real it's not somebody just trying to put on a front so I really the more it goes on you feel like there's nothing to hide yes. and that's just very freeing to not have it a cover up or try to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And I think it's just been a continual progress and process of that to keep doing that. Well, I love that. And I love that you talked about generosity before. And now you're talking about sharing your history, your stories. And what we think as a kid makes us quote unquote bad. It is really showing that when you've overcome an obstacle, you can then go on to do great things. And I think you're more quick to do it. I agree. I agree. Because I talk to people a lot of times that school was easy, college was easy, and they struggle in the growing a business at 30 years old because they never went through the grind of it. Yeah. And it was always a grind for me. I never did well in school. Every business, any business you start, you've got to do it. 
you've got to figure out, you got to take the lumps and then you need to grow from that. And I think it just makes you hardened to failure. And you don't even look at this failure anymore. Right. There's a lot of people that were A students in college. They have a really hard time with this world because they have a hard time failing. Yes. Because they're supposed to follow the rules and then get a good grade. And the point of this is the opposite. You're supposed to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, yes. and then get better and better. So I think people that weren't good in school, like myself, were almost wired more to be entrepreneurs because we've dealt with failure and we realized life didn't end. Yeah. And I think a lot of the great students did never deal with that. And they just, like, it's easier to get, I hate, this, I hate the label, it's easier to get a job and have somebody else tell me what to do than it is to do it myself. Well, I agree. And not just somebody else telling you what to do, but also I don't have to examine myself. I don't have to dive in and look at if I'm selfish, if I'm what else am I not being? What else could I be? I mean, I myself and I think, well, I'll tell you about myself in just a second. But I really think entrepreneurs have a fight in them. Right. So they've had to overcome something and fight it out kind of like fight out the wet paper bag, so to speak, to get to where the success level that they are. So for myself, I had to overcome abuse, addiction. I was a bullied and I was a bully growing up. I did all kinds of questionable things and hung around questionable people. And because I was that scrappy kid, I really think that drove me in my own business to like make it work. There is no, it won't work. No, it's yep. going to work. Whether it yep. takes me a long time, doesn't matter. It will work. Yep. And I love that you said about learning from mistakes because it's, that's all that we're doing is learn. It's all learning experiences. It's constantly. That, that's what it's all about. And I get to a point where I'm, it's fun. We're good the way we're at. Any growth is good. And it, you kind of almost get detached from the results after a while. And <laughs> what, where I look at it is how am I teaching my kids? Wow. That's the way I see it because you start getting towards is what are we going to what is the purpose of doing all this yeah. is it to make more money is it to have a more successful business and I think that's just the whole self-actualization chart right when you need the money you, it's hard to think about all the other stuff but yeah. when it's not about the money anymore and you have the, and you have the time a lot of times it's like well what's the purpose of this? And I've, in my world, dealing with professional athletes, you see that a lot. You see people that have gotten everything they've wanted in life, their highest goals, and they're depressed. Yeah. Because they realize, like, what's next? Right. What's almost like, why are we doing this? And I think it's, that's just a higher level that I couldn't have imagined years ago thinking about. And then you get there and you go, okay, now I realize I'm 80, I'm going to be 88 and I'm still going to be learning. Otherwise, I'm going to be just really just, what's the point? Like, I got to constantly be growing that's to me that's staying young and that's staying energetic. I totally agree with you 100%. I'm right there with you. And it's so interesting how we take like you said about you're doing it for your kids. We forget sometimes what our why is. And that why could be absolutely anything. You could it could be that you're you're helping your 22-year-old self feel better about themselves now and a creating a better future for them. But for you, your why like you said, as your kids. So how old are your children? 14, 12, and 8. Three boys. Awesome. So is there anything that you have instilled in them at this age to go on to be an entrepreneur? Or have you instilled them to do other things? Because I know you're homeschooling them, so that's a totally different, quote-unquote, curriculum. Yeah. Well, we don't really use a curriculum. We're, we're kind of, it's kind of like life school. Yeah. And what I view my my one of my jobs in this is 
I want to be more of a guide than a teacher. And a lot of times people are kind of like, well, I couldn't teach my kids at home. I get all the same responses in terms of homeschooling. And then, and we're eventually going to do something, but it's either writing a book because there's so many misconceptions about it. And in terms of being a guide, I've learned this through the process where I didn't like school because I never got to learn anything that I wanted to learn. I had to learn what they told me to learn. So read right. this book and then read that book. So it, 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 I kind of got to the point where I didn't enjoy reading. Right. And I enjoy reading because I never got to read anything that I wanted to read. So I want our kids, we want our kids to have a love for learning. I don't care what it is as long as it's good. I don't care what, what do you want to study. So that's what we give them the freedom at home in a lot of ways to study and dive into what they want. So our eight-year-old is very much into electronics, and mm. to, but not in terms of like, it's funny, it's like he doesn't watch it. But we, he doesn't want new stuff. He wants old stuff from Goodwill, and he takes it apart. And he's basically learning all about motors and transistors and receptors and all this stuff I know nothing about. That's so I can't awesome. Right. So a lot of people be like, oh, I couldn't teach my kids that. No, they learn. Yeah. And we guide, but I want them to love learning. So whether that turns into entrepreneurial or not, we're kind of trying to brainwash that a little bit. But, you know, our oldest... It's, it might be a little more difficult for him because he likes to follow direction. And when you learn in this whole world, those generally aren't the best entrepreneurs right. often. It right. depends on where you come from. But I don't want – I love to brainwash them away from traditional employment in a lot of ways. But I also don't want to be like, oh, entrepreneurship is the way to go. If it's not, but I want them to have the option right. and the understanding that you can do this where I think going to school, you lose that because you are 16 years being told what to do. And entrepreneurship is generally not a conversation. And then by the time you're 22, they get hired. And I hear it all the time from people that run businesses that they can't lead anybody. And I'm like, well, why do you think that is? They've been told what to do for 16 years. Right. Why would they all of a sudden be able to start leading people? So if anything, they won't have that indoctrination going on because they'll be learning how to lead and solve their own problems. That's a big part of it for us. Well, and that's a huge, big part of it for society to, to learn how to solve their own problems. I think so many were told what to do and they don't even know how to think for themselves. So when they are as simple as, let's say you're working at the fast food industry wow. in high school, that used to be a thing, right? Everybody did that and you had to clean. And so now people are saying that they don't see the jobs that need to be done because they're not aware they're just so focused at, well, first of all, they're so focused at looking down at their device, but, yep. and they're just not taught to think and go, okay, what else could be done? Yeah. And, and to take charge. Yes, absolutely. Talking. Absolutely. And figure out what things are wrong and how can you do it as opposed to waiting for somebody else to do it. But I think when you go to school and you're not allowed to do that, you're literally not allowed to do that. Right. You don't get to, you don't get to build that muscle, and I don't blame the kids as much as I blame just the system that we've created. The kids don't know, but before you know it, you have no option because that's what you do every day. So I'm just gonna say this, but I think I see some curriculum making in your future. <laughs> I think the problem is I don't think there's a curriculum to it. I think I can kind of guide a mindset. Yes, I don't, every kid's different. Like our oldest yes. is into bugs. He loves, but so he studies. And he goes, That's awesome. Nolan, our middle child, just built this the Lego Millennium Falcon that he got for his birthday a couple days ago. He's great at, I mean, he has these ants in his room, literally, where they have, he's built tubes for them to go back and forth. He builds his whole system to it. 
But that's what happens when you give them the time yes. to do it. And just basically go be bored and figure something out that you like doing. It's amazing what we can accomplish. Well, you're giving them imagination and play. Yeah. That's, yeah, a lost art as well. Yeah, it's like, so I think a lot of people want to do it, but they're afraid of it. Mm-hmm. And not only are they afraid of it, but they got, they've gotten themselves in financial situations where both have to work and we have two cars and we've got a more expensive house than we probably needed. And now, well, I can't homeschool because we need to do all this stuff. Right, right. So our whole thing was we want financial freedom and we want, and that's why it's such a, it's such a greater purpose in terms of what I do for a living now because it's like, it's not just about making more money. Right. I want you to have financial freedom so you can live the life that you want. You can do that on less than $100,000 a year. It doesn't need to be multiple six figures to do it. It doesn't. But it's just, are you willing to live the lifestyle that it takes to do that? And But the, but the beautiful thing is when you do that and you have the time freedom, and to me, time freedom comes way before financial freedom. Mm-hmm. Because when you have time freedom, you have that's how you write a book. Yes. You can't write a book without time freedom. You can't go to a conference for four days and meet incredible people without the time. Right. But what happens with that time, then come connections, then come relationships, it comes ideas. That's where the money comes. And once the money comes with time freedom, then life is really wonderful. And that, and then you add on, which we kind of thought about and figured out years ago. I was like, well, location freedom would be sweet too. So how do we build a mm. business going from photographers where we didn't have location freedom, right. but we had the time and the money freedom, to now changing the whole thing around where we built a business intentionally to have the location freedom as well. So that was all in our mind before we even started. How do we build something? And once you know where you want to get to, then you just do the steps that it takes to get to that spot. It's not confusing. So that's what I try to teach because that's what the people that come to me want. So, And that's what we would hope to at least introduce to our children. That's awesome. And I love, I, and I, you kind of answered this question to begin with, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What would you like to be remembered for? What would be your legacy? Oh, it would have to be our family. It would, mm-hmm. the, the, the leg, I, I say I'm going to win in life. I think we've won, right? I think, we've, I think life is wonderful. But, I mean, if I'm a great-grandfather, right, and I've got all these people around me that have been in this family loving each other, helping each other, and I can look around and I can see, like, my kids – turned out great from hopefully from a part that we did and they had kids that's like the ultimate goal for me so as i get older it doesn't get as scary i think as some people would be because my goal is you know 70 something years from now that's my goal it's not now and right. it's not the, the money matters because it reduces a lot of stress right that, that that's the number one reason why people get divorced is money yes. fights. right there comes a point where it's not that important aside from being generous with it but for yourself, there comes a point where it's not. But money, the time with our kids, I'm having breakfast with my kids every day. We have lunch. We're outside in the backyard. I think those are, I think those are going to be the things that later on that will keep us bonded together because we were together all these years. And I wasn't out working all the time, and they weren't at school all day. Right. Not that, I'm, again, I'm not putting it down, but for us, it was important for these years to be together. So that, I think, hopefully leads to the legacy that we want. <laughs> that is truly beautiful. I love that. Oh, thank you. I really do. I had an absentee father, so he was a salesman. So he worked through the week and then home on the weekends. And then on the weekends, he was on the farm in the fields. So I didn't see him, even though my parents were married for up until I was 16. And I didn't know him because he wasn't around. And I have a great dad, but it was the same thing with me. I had a, they were provider dads. Yes. Yes. I was raised in the 70s. 
this type of conversation, I cannot imagine my dad or any of his friends ever having this conversation about their kids. Totally. And it wasn't that they were bad dads. They did better than their parents did, right? Yep. And I thought, and I was angry with my dad for years because it wasn't the relationship that I wanted it to be. Right. Right? Yeah. But then I started, as I mature and still trying to mature, realize he did a whole lot better than his parents did. And that's all he knew. Yeah. And he didn't have podcasts to listen to. And he didn't have groups to join. Right. And none of it. They went bowling on Tuesday nights. Right? That's what they did. And they talked about whatever. So... I got to kind of cut them some slack and they weren't taught or had the resources to do the stuff I think that we can do today. So it's our job, I think, to elevate that from here on out. Well, I agree. My parents, I had to, I gave up expectations of who I wanted them to be and just saw them for who they are and said, I can love them for not being the, my idea of the perfect parent. I can just love them for who they are. And that's so hard when there's resentment. Yes. Oh, yeah. So So did you forgive your dad? Yeah. There's been a lot of hard times. Mm -hmm. A lot of exactly what you're just talking about. My biggest struggle has probably been the biggest struggle in my relationship life is that. Mm -hmm. Is the idea of giving up what I expected it to be, Mm -hmm. the expectations of it, to what it really is. Yeah. And when you look at it that way, and it's really only been recent, when you look at it that way... It's like they weren't meaning to do anything the way maybe I took it. Right. They just didn't know right. that. And they and if they did know it, they didn't even know how to do it. Right. And I had to kind of just go through a lot of self-reflection of like they're getting older as well. And that they're, the older you get, the harder it is to change, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they wanted to, even if they wanted to do all the things that I'd want them to do, there's no guarantee at all that it's even going to be possible. And I just kept setting myself up for failure. And disappointment. Sure. And then, and being a self-admitted control freak, that's hard to give up control of that and just say that this is what it is. Yes. And just accept it for what it is. And I think with that comes just some peace and some lack of you're giving up control and you kind of go, and there's almost a lot of peace in it that I've never had before. A lot of freedom. Yeah. Yes, definitely. But, but I thought it was the opposite. I thought by yeah. being frustrated and pushing it, that I would get what I wanted more Mm. than actually giving it. That's such a lesson, I think, in business, too. Sometimes when we push for what we want and we're not getting it, we're getting frustrated and we're like, well, why is it not working? It's because we have to let it go. And and we're not getting it because we're pushing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, where are you? Do you have siblings? One brother. One brother. Older. So for me, I don't know about your parents, but for me, I was the youngest of three. I had two older brothers. So by the time they got to me, they were like so self-involved in their own stuff that they like weren't even parental. That, that, that can, yeah. You're talking about your parents? Or yeah. talking about your siblings? No, my, my parents. Yeah. So did that happen to you as well? No, because we were, we were 19 months apart. Oh, okay. It was... You know, the bullets were flying the whole time. It was, gotcha. And, and at the same time, when I was, we'll go too deep into it. When I was 16, my dad had a business partner, and his partner emptied the bank accounts in one night. Gosh. $135,000 gone in 1986, 1987. Wow. Completely just went from having a nice life to everything gone. Wow. Immediately. So you can imagine the stress in the household. Oh, yeah. And I'm a 15, 16 year old kind of pain in the neck to begin with yeah and then that so it was a rocky it was a rocky teenage 
years for us. So I think they did the best they could, but they were dealing with, they were trying to keep the house. They were trying to mm-hmm. keep their heads above water. So, you know, I pretty much, me and my brother pretty much did what we wanted to do for a while because they were, they had a lot going on. Yeah. So that, that led to a lot of the trouble that we had as well. I get it. That My parents were that way too. So they were entrepreneurs. They had a farm. And then my dad also was a salesman. He had a job too. So, and then my mom ran a fertilizer business. So between oh, wow. the, yeah, between the both of them, we were, they were just constantly working. So I guess that's where I inherently learned it as well. Wow. Yeah. So how are you connecting with those who are different? Give me a, what do you mean exactly? So different is anything that's different from you. I think we're constantly, well, I think it's a little bit of both. I find myself challenged by that sometimes because you really start to hone in on what you're good at, what you like being around, what you don't like being around. A lot of different people, and I don't want to do with a whole lot of people that I used to do with, used to hang around with. I mean, if I love being around people that are energetic, that are generous, that are driven, that have ideas, that really want to do stuff. And when I get around people that don't, and it's lackluster, and it's complaining, and it's drinking, and it's just the same, I have no interest. And I used to do that. So I'm almost less diverse, maybe, than I used to be, or a lot less diverse, because I'm really careful about who we surround ourselves with, and that's not a snobby type of thing. I just want to be around people that are good people that are doing stuff and that are looking to do stuff and accomplish things. So I think there's all there's a whole lot of difference in those people. And I can tell you it's the other ones that I just really, I just have very little patience anymore for it. I'd rather, it's difficult being around when it's constantly complaining or taking no responsibility for your own life. I have a hard time with that because I used to be that. Yeah. And I just know it's not going anywhere unless they want to change that. Yep. This is the first time anybody has said that answer, and I love that answer because it's very true. And I shifted that as well. I don't drink anymore, and I went from a negative mindset to a positive mindset, and people just kind of naturally went away, and nothing that I did, it just kind of happened. And they're like, well, you've changed. I'm like, and you haven't. (laughs) And that's it. You're so different than you used to be. I'm like, well, what else would you expect? Exactly. If I'm the same person, that's on me. That's my fault. Right. So so I don't see different as like man or woman, black, white. I don't see it that way. I see it in terms of the way they are as people. Gotcha. That's awesome. Somebody could look just like me, but be way different that I can't be around. Somebody could look way different, but there's a connection immediately that I want to be around. So that's different for me, I guess. That's awesome. So speaking of connecting, how can people connect with you? What are your social media platforms? I really have very many social media platforms. I really got to ramp that up. Like, it's just never been that way for me. I'm on Facebook, and if anybody wanted to connect there, but I don't really do very much. I'm, people say to me, like, what's your favorite app? And my favorite app is Messenger. That's, that's where I spend my time. It's going back and forth and then having phone calls, just connecting that way. So if anybody want to connect Facebook, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. But that's, I don't spend very much time there, so. Okay. What about your website and your podcast? Where can they find you? Yeah. And your book. Where can they get your book? Yeah, well, a couple things. The most fun thing for me right now is the podcast. We started a daily short-form solo show. So it's little five to eight minutes, and it's me just being honest and telling stories and just hopefully lessons in there that people resonate with. It's been great. It's been almost three months in, and it's going really well. The book, I wrote a book called Freelance to Freedom, and I, I said to you I want to give it away the audio copy so I recorded the audio copy and 
I give that away. So it's the awesome. entire book. So if you go to totallifefreedom.com slash F2F book, top right-hand corner, you can download the free audiobook. And it's our story. It's our story about how we went from nothing, making $15 an hour, and having a baby, and realizing I got a 3% raise for winning the biggest award that I could possibly win in photojournalism, to starting a business that day out of desperation and turning that into the time, money, and location freedom that we have right now. And that's the first half is our story, and the second half is how anybody else can do it with a five-stage process of it. So that's the oh, book. You can oh, get it for free if you want, the awesome. audio version. Awesome. And, and give us the website one more time. Yeah, totallifefreedom.com, and it's on the page for there, the right-hand slash F2F book for the free book, but it's in the page. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's been an honor, a pleasure to have you on the show. And like I said, I loved our conversation in Orlando, so I love that we can get to continue that. Thank you. And one last question I like to leave our audience with. What phrase, scripture, mantra are you living by right now? That's a great question. It always changes. It really does change yeah. a lot. And this one goes back and forth with me, and I'm back to it again. And I really, when I was in my biggest time of overwhelm and stress, I'd be thinking so much about what the past happened, what's going to go on in the future, all the different things that were stressing me out. And I remember one time, middle of the night, being like, all I need to do is be better than yesterday. Mm-hmm. Just be better than yesterday. And that's what I go by, because when I'm better than yesterday, all I'm focusing on is today. Do what I need to do. It's not overwhelming. It's not stressful. Tomorrow doesn't matter, because if I take care of today, we're fine. And yesterday, like we're talking about with our parents, that doesn't matter. What matters is now, and you learn from the past, and you do today for the future. So whenever I'm in that mode, I'm very calm, productive, and I'm present. That's the thing for me. Be better than yesterday. Awesome. 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 Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Did you know that when you share the knowledge that you gained from an experience, it becomes wisdom? There is power in sharing your voice of wisdom inside a book to leave a legacy for generations to learn from your experience. And then add collaborating with other leaders. Your legacy makes an even bigger impact. Like co-author Joe Bogdan, who shares in his chapter how being better has no finish line. He said his experience in the hashtag Firestarters book project has been nothing short of amazing. From him being a first-time author, he loved our supportive approach and we earned his trust immediately. If you're curious about joining the next collection of Firestarters co-authors, then join the movement today at firestartersbookproject.com. This podcast is a proud partner of the Heroes Media Group, Lima Charlie Network, and Global Sisterhood Podcast Network. Sponsored by Sparks of Fire International, where we get you fired up about your life and business, and Quest Education. What if you could use the money inside your retirement account, penalty, and tax-free, and use that money to start your own dream business? Our friend Daniel Blue from Season 5, Episode 5 over at Quest Education is so kind to give you, our listeners, their How to Grow Your Money Tax-Free online course completely complimentary just for listening to today's show.
We invite you to find out more about their generous opportunity at the link in the show notes. So just imagine the business you could start with your freed up money.